like to start off this morning with a quick, quick story about sheep. There was a police officer that was driving down a highway, and the car in front of him, he noticed, had a very unusual passenger. And he couldn't quite tell or make it out from so he, he said, I've got to have to check this out. So he pulled the car over. He pulled the car over, and, and he nervously approached the car. And then that, but as he got closer to the car, he realized that what was in the passenger side of the car was actually a sheep. And he's like, this is really unusual. So the guy rolls down the windows and, and asks the officer, what's going on? Why did I get pulled over? He says, look, there's got to be some kind of law. You can't be driving a sheep. Where did you get the sheep? The guy says, I was driving down the highway. The sheep was wandering across the, the road. I decided to put the sheep in my car because I, I didn't know what else to do. So the guy said, okay, well, you know, you, you got to take the sheep somewhere I happen, my friend of mine is down the road. He has a petting zoo. Why don't you take the sheep to the petting zoo and, and see what they can do for you? Guy says, oh, thank you. That's a great idea. You know, so he, they both leave. A couple of days later, driving down the road again, and again he notices the same car, and again he notices a strange thing in the passenger side. Pulls the guy over again. And sure enough, there's a sheep there. Same sheep. But now the sheep has sunglasses on and a bathing suit. So I says, okay, well, what's the deal, man? I, didn't I tell you to take the sheep to the petting zoo? The guy said, I did. I took him to the petting zoo. And we had such a great time, I decided to take him to the beach. <laughs> the kind of importance of that story is you never know where a shepherd might take you, where a shepherd might lead you, and what the shepherd is leading you into. So you've got you to kind of know who your shepherd is. You've got you to know who your shepherd is. Last week we talked about pastors being shepherds, and shepherds were guides. They were people who watched over us. They were people who led us. We also said that, what, that shepherds were ninjas, right? They were ninjas. They were uh, normal individuals needing Jesus always. Okay? And pastors are sheep also. So we, we, we kind of wrapped all that thing together. But there was one scripture that we used in John. was when Jesus himself said that I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And the more I thought about this this week, I said, man, and that last week I even mentioned this, that that bar is set really high. That's a bar that's, a bar that's really high. How how can we shepherd, how can I shepherd, how can you shepherd the people in your life? How can we shepherd when that bar is so high for us? If, we're, if Jesus is our example and everything, and he is, how can we possibly imagine to touch that bar, to approach that bar, to, to shepherd like Jesus? Well, I think we can. And it involves one simple thing. Simple in one way, but extremely costly in another way. Costly in the sense of, it really costs us everything to do this. But it's, we gain everything when we do. And the beautiful thing about it is it's something that God himself gives us in order to be able to do this. Throughout the Old Testament, God loves to talk about shepherds. Matter of fact, when he talks about the, a king 
or a prophet or a priest being good, he compares it to being either a good or bad shepherd. A lot of times, that's the comparison that he makes. In fact, David, he says of David that David was such a good shepherd because, he used, uh, because of the integrity of his heart, he used skill and understanding in order to lead Israel. He compares David to a good shepherd. It's amazing how God uses this metaphor over and over again because I believe, I really believe, at the core of Father God's heart is a shepherd. The core of, of who God is is a shepherd. In Jeremiah 3.15, he says, And I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So, Indeed, what this is saying, that shepherding is at the core of the Father's heart. If you turn to John 10, if you've got your Bible, I want to read this. I want to read most of chapter 10. Because this is, a, this is the answer to the question that I posed just a little while ago. How can we even begin to imagine to approach that bar that Jesus set for us? Starting in verse 1, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by any other way, that man is a thief, a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gateway, the gatekeeper opens. That word means watchman. That means means watchman. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought them out, all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them, so Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you that I am that door, I am that gate of the, of the sheep. And all who come before for me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf comes and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is such a powerful passage of Scripture. I read these words, and I get a picture of the greatest heart that has ever walked this planet. The greatest shepherd heart that has ever walked on the face of the earth. 
God meant when he said in Jeremiah that he gave a shepherd after his own heart who loves us completely. Jesus did something that is the greatest act of shepherding that has ever been done. I want to skip outside of the Gospel of John for a minute and go to Hebrews 10, 19 to 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus shepherded us into new life by his sacrifice. When it talks about the curtain there, it's talking about the veil that is in the temple. Now, the, the, the veil that was in the temple is a marvelous creation. It is a fantastic piece of handiwork. In the Old Testament, it describes how the curtain is made and it describes the material that is made of, but it doesn't really tell you the dimensions of the veil itself. However, the dimensions of the, of the tabernacle are pretty explicit. So they got a, a good idea of what this curtain looked like in size and thickness. And mostly they got it from historical writings instead of the scriptures themselves. But biblical scholars and biblical historians agree that this is probably really close to the truth. That this curtain was anywhere from 40 to 60 feet high and about 30 feet wide. What is truly amazing is that this curtain was probably four inches thick. Four inches thick. They said that this thing was so well made that they could tie teams of horses on either side or team of oxes on either side and could not rip this piece of material. It was huge. It took hundreds of priests in order to hang it and to even open it. Now, this was a huge symbolic barrier to the presence of God, to the people of Israel. Because only a high priest, not just an ordinary priest, but a high priest, could enter this Holy of Holies, which it separated the rest of the temple from, the Holy of Holies. Only a high priest could enter, and only once a year, and only if he was sprinkled with the blood of a new lamb, of a pure lamb. So access to the Holy of Holies was extremely limited. And this man-made object, this man-made curtain, although basically designed by God, instructed to be made by God, man-made was this visual barrier that the ordinary Jew realized that he could never pass through. There was never going to be a chance for him to go enter the Holy of Holies because of that veil. He would never be good enough. So mentally, this was in the hearts and the minds of the Jewish people. When Jesus died, and he breathed his last breath, that curtain was torn from the top to the bottom. In two. Symbolizing a whole new thing going on. See, beyond the veil was... This is, this is truly amazing. Even more than the veil cell, this is a pretty fascinating piece of information. If you happened to be able, one of, the, one of those high priests, and you got beyond the veil, and you went into the next room where the Holy of Holies, the presence of God was, 
This room was only 30 feet by 30 feet. We're not talking a real expansive room. It's a pretty large room, but it's, here, here, this is the presence of God containing himself into this really small room. It's almost like God is putting himself into a, a box for people. It's amazing to me that God would limit himself to this. That he would sanction this kind of thing. And it's amazing to me. But, to me, it is a symbol of what of an even smaller space that he now resides. Because the curtain has been torn from top to bottom. Because access has been given because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because he shepherded us into new life. The Spirit of God now lives here. In the human heart. A much smaller room. That God would constrain himself to this place is even more amazing to me. That the God of the universe, who fills the universe with himself, who maintains the universe, that he would, he would want this. He would not only provide it, but this is something that he wanted. That the mission of God's heart, the way that God's shepherd, through Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice, was to bring us into his presence fully and forever. It's truly an amazing, wonderful way that God shows his shepherding heart. To, to get rid of that veil, to get rid of that barrier, to get rid of you know, every obstacle that kept us from Father God's heart. He came to give us life, abundant life. Jesus led us to the pasture and, and, and to the, the field of life for us. Verses 14 through 15, Jesus repeats that he is the good shepherd the second time. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. The word know here means absolutely. Absolutely know. Not casually. Not randomly, always. It's it's a it's I know I know him now, but I'm also going to know him tomorrow, and I'm also going to know him the day after that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to know him even better. It speaks of an intimacy that that is an uh, uh, an invitation to a deep part of knowing God. It's it's that, that word no is just not good enough. It's the English word. It's just not good enough. It means so much more than that. It means this is the desire of God, that he would want us to know him. But know him, this is an invitation to know him, but it's an invitation that keeps on inviting us in more. That's what that word means. It's a word that keeps on inviting us in deeper. You know, it's not just like, I invite you to get to know me. Oh, I invite you to get to know me. Oh, guess what? I want, I want you to know me. It's something that continuously calls us in so that we know him more. It's a beautiful, powerful word, that word no. Oh, it's beautiful. Shepherds, Jesus shepherds us with his voice. I love the fact that Jesus is both the gatekeeper and the shepherd in, his, in this passage. Because both are great examples how we can get to lead people. Now, a gatekeeper was a watchman who guarded the gate. Shepherds had to, to, to pen up their, their sheep at times, so they had to do other things. So they put them in a fold. And they either hired or the people who owned the sheep hired an under-shepherd. Someone that was under the shepherd 
to watch that gate. Make sure that the sheep didn't get out and no one but the shepherd would get in. So it was an important function. It was an important job. That person to, to watch that gate had to be trustworthy, had to have known the shepherd's heart, to know that how important the sheep were to that shepherd. Very important job. And I love how Jesus describes himself as both the door and the shepherd. But it's also an example for us. When I was a uh, young man, I, I used to go to Faith Assembly. And they always used to have live uh, nativity scenes around the holidays. And I always seemed to get stuck as being a shepherd. It didn't matter what, if it was a play. I was always a shepherd. I got to be the wise man, I think, once. And that was a mistake. So they put me back at the shepherd. And so anyways, we had this live nativity scene and uh, we had sheep and cows and a, and, a, and a donkey. And it was and it was kind of cool. This one nativity scene, this sheep that came, there was two of them, but this one sheep somehow got an attachment to me. And no matter where I wandered as a shepherd around the, the pen, that sheep would follow me. But not just follow me, it would be like right here. Pressing, almost knocking me over because it just didn't want to leave my side. It was like pressing. It would never, if I stood there, he would just bump up against me and just would not leave my side. It's almost like the sheep liked me. And I don't know, I didn't like sheep. I don't know why the sheep liked me. But it was, you know, after a while, I just thought, oh, this is kind of cool. The sheep likes me. It's, you know. Until, at the end of the night, the shepherd, the owner of the sheep, came. And he brought his trailer in, and he parked the trailer a little bit far away. He says, okay, open the gate. And I'm looking at him. Uh, I open the gate. All these guys are, are leaving, you know. He goes, you know, just open the gate. I open the gate, and he calls the sheep. Now, that sheep that was right here all that time, booked. Wait for that shepherd's voice. I could have called that sheep anything, and that sheep would have never came back to me. It knew his shepherd's voice. A stranger, the scripture says, that he will not follow. Amazing to me. That word, that word will not. <laughs> Again, English doesn't do it justice. That, those words will not is really a strong proclamation in the Greek. And this is what it means. It goes, not at all, never. Not at all, ever will they follow a stranger. Why not? Because they know my voice. Why would they follow someone else who's a stranger, who, who doesn't have their, well, m- meaning in, 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 their, in their heart? They're going to follow my voice. I love that. That Jesus is saying here, he goes, look, if, if you listen and you hear my voice, you're never going to leave me. You're just not going to. So don't, don't worry about it. Your salvation. Don't worry about whether or not you're serving me. That's not the point. The point is, if you're hearing my voice, you will do all those things. It'll come because you know my voice. See, the promise is that not at all, never will you follow someone else. Wow. I think that's wonderful. All right. Jesus shepherds by speaking life into dead people. Verse 16. Jesus says that he has other sheep that needs a shepherd's voice. And they will listen to him. Okay, this gives me a really good... This gives me hope as a, as a shepherd, as a pastor. It gives me also hope, a hope as a ninja, as a 
needy individual needing Jesus always. That, you know, when we, we're, t- we're thinking about the gospel t- sometimes, and then we think about the state of the world at this point. We think about all the, the cries of injustice, of, of poverty, of, of torture, of terrorism. The list can go on and on. And with all the noise that the world is making, all the hardships that we hear about, all the struggles, all the turmoil, everything. We say, how, how can the gospel pierce that kind of sound? Jesus says, he promises right there. He says, he says look, look at this. I have other sheep. And they need to hear my voice. And they will hear my voice and follow me. That seems like, almost like a guarantee for an evangelist. Jesus himself said it. Because you know why? Because it doesn't depend on our voice. It depends on his voice. It doesn't depend on our obedience and our willingness to do what we can to break down any barrier that keeps people from hearing the gospel. That's our job. That's that's our partnership with Jesus at this point as under-shepherds. That we will look for any barrier in our lives that keeps people from hearing the gospel for the way, you know, because I said when we were talking about evangelists, we're evangelists 24-7, whether we know it or not. Our life talks about Jesus all the time. Our life speaks about what we really believe about the Good Shepherd all the time. Whether we know it or not, it does. But Jesus says, well, if you hear my voice, you'll never leave me. And matter of fact, uh, the sheep that don't know me yet, they're going to hear my voice and, and they're going to follow me too. Well, there's a double guarantee there that I think we can't ignore anymore. When we think about evangelism, when we think about shepherding people into the kingdom, it is all about him. Verse 27 through 30, it says this, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Father gave us to the Good Shepherd. And the Father's hand is the same as the Good Shepherd's hand. We are in good hands. So, it kind of wind us up really quickly. We, we have a long list of what we think pastors are, and I think I want to add gatekeeper to that. We are gatekeepers. I, as your pastor, shepherd, am a gatekeeper. And I think one of the best ways to mind the gate for you uh, is to always point you to Jesus. Always try to remind you of the Father's love for you. Always try to remind you that Father's heart is for you and not against you. That you are in the Father's hands. That there is nobody that can snatch you from the Father's hands. See, when it talks about in the Father's hands, it talks about this. It talks about a grasping hand. I don't think everybody wants to try to, uh, to get God's hand open. He holds you that tightly, that closely. And I get the picture that it's not like this, it's like this. It's close to his heart. That's a marvelous picture of a shepherd. See, if I can remind you that as, as your shepherd, as an under-shepherd to Jesus Christ, you know, Paul said, follow me as I follow, follow Jesus. Basically, he said, don't really follow me. 
but follow Jesus. This is what he's saying. That's what I'm saying as, as a shepherd. But as you shepherd each other, as brothers and sisters, as you shepherd friends and family members, it's the same deal. It's the same thing. We shepherd best by reminding people of the truth. And the truth is that God loves you desperately. That God sent Jesus to redeem you. That he not only sent Jesus to redeem you, but he sent Jesus to restore you. Not only did Jesus come to redeem and restore you, he came to set you free. And people who are free are free indeed. See, if we can keep on shepherding each other's hearts with that truth, think about how much freer that we'll be. How much more our ears will be able to hear the voice of Jesus clearer and free of the gunk, obstacles, the veils, whatever keeps us from knowing God better. That's what shepherding is all about. Shepherding is just pointing out people to Jesus. Oh, look, here's the shepherd coming. There he is. Open the gate. That's all it is. That's all it is, is leading people to Jesus, pointing people to the Father's heart, reminding them of the truth. The truth is that you are sons and daughters of the Most High. That's pretty important stuff. That's pretty freeing stuff. And the truth is that he's got other sheep that he wants to call sons and daughters. And so this flock and other flocks like us are called to... Go out and mingle with other sheep to rub up against other sheep. Shepherds smell like sheep. At the end of the night, I smelled like that sheep. It wasn't necessarily a pleasant smell, but I smelled like one. That's what it is. That's what a shepherd is. A shepherd mingles with sheep. He leads sheep. He guides sheep. He protects sheep. And that's what God is calling us to do. And if we can listen to his voice, the answer to that question about how we can, how we can reach that bar, it's really to ask Jesus for his heart continuously. Father, give me the heart of a good shepherd that I might love, I might live, I might sacrifice, I might surrender Whatever it takes for me to be able to, that's the kind of heart that I want. That's the answer to that question, is to ask for the heart of Jesus Christ. And since he has torn that veil and made every barrier gone in order to know the Father's heart, that's the heart we can have. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for... Everyone that's here today, we thank you for the ones, our members who are not here today. Pray that you bless them, keep them safe. We pray for everyone here that they'll get home safely and that they will uh, have a good rest of the day, that you'll bless their week, that you'll bless every part of their week, their relationships, their finances, their health. I ask for a blessing upon all of them. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.